98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Hey, boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. Yeah, it is time for Wolf and Down Your Lunch. All of today's top sports stories in one place. Tim Ring is in for Wolf. Wolf is on his way to Tennessee. Erin Maloney is here to run the show in this segment, as she always does. Erin? So the Kevin Durant trade discussions are over. Steve Nash, Joe Sy, and Sean Marks met with KD and Rich Kleiman in Los Angeles yesterday and have decided to move forward with the partnership. Do you believe KD will spend the entire 2022-2023 season with the Brooklyn Nets? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor, Aaron? <laughs> nice <laughs> animal house reference. <laughs> right out of the gates. Wow. Uh, I don't believe it. Look, I mean, it, I guess it's possible he spends this year there, but I, I, I do not believe any way, shape, or form he's still there past this year. I think this is either one of two things. This is you have to make it look like you've made things better to try and drive up his trade value, or they genuinely believe they've worked things out and good for them but I don't think it'll last it's too volatile well I think there's I think there's other components to this story that have to play out and that's not a cop-out by me trying to make a prediction you know let's see if Ben Simmons plays and if he does play how well does he play let's see if Kyrie Irving shows up every night and if he does how well does he play so where are the Brooklyn Nets on the NBA pecking order around Thanksgiving Aaron around Christmas how happy is KD because no matter what was discussed in L.A. with Joe Sy and his wife Clara and Rich Kleinman and Steve Nash, no matter what was discussed recently, KD, as we know, is a sensitive, volatile guy. And if he doesn't like the direction where the Nets are going and he doesn't feel he can win a championship this year or ever there, don't expect or I, I would I would. 100% expect for him to once again ask to be moved at the trade deadline. So do I think it's over? No, I don't think it's over. Having said that, I still don't think at the trade deadline the Suns are going to have enough to make the Nets happy in any sort of one-team-to-one-team deal. The Cardinals traded for former second-round pick Cody Ford yesterday as they sent a fifth-round pick to the Bills in exchange for the offensive lineman. Here's Lincoln Riley back on April 26, 2019, when he joined Arizona Sports and discussed how Cody Ford would fit with Arizona. Fantastic and pass pro, but you know he really, what this guy can do in the run game is is just amazing. The kind of movement he can get from the tackle position is really rare. Which you know, if, if anybody paid attention to us, I mean that was been one of the big keys to our success has been able to throw the ball with with Kyler and Baker last year. But we've been so good running the football and. Uh, and Cliff's going to want to do that as well. And I think Cody would be a, a great match and obviously get a chance to pair him up with Kyler. And that's two pretty good building blocks for your future offense there if you're a Cardinals fan. Boomer sooner in the Valley, guys. So how do you feel about the move? I, you know, I, I have some questions. And first of all, that's interesting. That's Lincoln Riley from three years ago. So you got to remember that's before Cliff even coached an NFL game. But the fact that Lincoln Riley is already talking about Cody Ford on the Cardinals three years ago is interesting. Well, he was on the radio in Arizona. If he was on the fan in New York, he would not be talking about Cody Ford I going to the Cardinals. I will set the scene. <laughs> Lincoln Riley... 
joined the show the day after the first round with the second round on the horizon. Okay. And Cody Ford was still on the board. So there was a thought the Cardinals right. might take him at the top of Correct. the second Correct, because I believe Cody Ford was a part of the Gambo Five. He was. Because it was Cody Ford, Byron Murphy, and I forgot the other three names, yeah. but... That was a name being linked. Yeah, it's um, it, it makes a lot of sense. I think that you know, look, it, maybe there's just something to having some players that Kyler played with in college that are good players. I mean, Hollywood Brown's a good player. Cody Ford seems like he's a pretty good player. Tim, I'm sure we'll get back into this later on in the show. My only yeah. question with Cody Ford is why was he available? Buffalo's loaded on, on the offensive line. They're pretty much loaded across the board. I get that, but still, you don't tend to give up offensive line depth for a fifth round pick. I would have to think the Bills were probably aiming to release him. So, hey, yeah. listen, if somebody's going to give us a fifth-round pick, we're obviously going to take that over releasing him. Why wouldn't they? For the Arizona Cardinals, guys, I'm, you know, we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later. For me, uh, two schools of thought. One, I hope it's not the case where they are really worried about their current offensive line. Worried about Rodney Hudson maybe not being completely invested in coming back for 2022. Uh, maybe not happy with Will Hernandez's performance so far in training camp. I have no idea. I'm just kind of talking from a speculative standpoint why they might make this deal. What, what you could made make, them pursue you, this? You could also make the case that, listen, you, you need depth at that position. The Cardinals are a team that has playoff aspirations. And Steve Kime might be like, hey, listen, yeah, we got five guys. But if somebody goes down, we don't, we don't, have, we don't have a capable swing guy that can step in there and help us maintain a, a high level of play and help us win football games. We have to protect ourselves. We have to protect Kyler Murray uh, at that position, literally, literally, literally and figuratively. Um, I will say this, though, real quick about Ford. I know he's taking some heat for the way he's graded out. He is still a former second-round pick who has NFL starting experience on one of the best teams in football. He might not be a home run acquisition, but is he got he's a guy that has proven he can you can put him out there and he can be somewhat it's not like he was a seventh round draft pick out of Central Michigan last year who spent twenty twenty one on the practice What's squad. What's wrong with Central with Michigan? Wow, just taking the <laughs> shot at Central wow. Michigan. Right, how about Eastern how about Eastern Michigan? Well, Is that better? Don't fire them up because they're coming to Tempe in like a month and I just I want the wins where we can get them. How about season. Slippery Rock? That's have, fair, I, yeah. have I offended anybody with Slippery Rock? That's fine. Go you know there's it. one guy driving around going, I went to Slippery Rock. <laughs> I've had it with this Tim Ring. He's been in here for 15 minutes. He's ripping Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan. And no, but Slippery you know what Rock. I mean? He and, and Luke, like, he, at least he's, he, he, he may have been flawed. He may have underachieved, but at least he's been out there, been there, done that. You can plug him in, and you have a chance for success here with his new club. Yeah, and you're not asking him to come in and, and go to Pro Bowls and be your best offensive lineman. You're, you're bringing him in for depth. All right, that was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, as always, Aaron. The Phoenix Suns just announced a brand new Nike Classic Edition uniform celebrating the 30th anniversary of the 92-93 Suns who went all the way to the NBA Finals. I know a lot of fans were excited about this and hoping this is what it was. We are giving you the chance to be the first to own one of these jerseys. If you just text Jersey to 620-620, you could win one of the brand new jerseys. That's Jersey to 620-620. All right, when we come back, Kevin Durant is apparently staying with the Nets. Do you believe it? And what now for the Phoenix Suns? It's the Wolf and Luke Show. Tim Ring in for Wolf on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. 
Tim Ring is in for Wolf. Wolf is on his way to Tennessee right now. I'm assuming he's on the plane or he's driving or biking. Taking a train like the old days, old school. He really wants... Train trip to Nashville. He wants to blend the old with the new, like he always says. So he's actually (laughs) taking a train. Uh, Tim, okay, so this is kind of an interesting perspective now because Wolf and I talked about this earlier to start the show, but now you're here, so I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Story comes out this morning. Everything's fine in Brooklyn. Kevin Durant all of a sudden is good to play there. They they sat down, the team sat down, and, and they're all fine now. Um, I'll just flat out, I don't buy it. I really, I don't buy it. And and to me, there are two ways this is going. One, they sat down with KD and said, you want traded. And at this point, we want to trade you too. But everybody knows we're desperate to move you. So we got to make it look like we're all happy here and try to get more value. That's option A. Or option B, they all sat down and they're like, hey, you know what? We all like each other now. And I made the point earlier. Kevin Durant sits down. He's like, why are Sean Marks and Steve Nash here? I said, it's, it's, it's me or them. And Joe Sy's like, what about you and them? And, and Kevin Durant's just like, hey, everything's fine. Okay, I'm totally sold. Yeah, I think, Luke, at the end of the day, the, the, and, and we've known this since this all bubbled up after the season. At the end of the day, Kevin Durant just had no leverage. He got the, nothing out of it. And this. the Nets knew it. And they know it. The only leverage Durant has is to threaten to retire or hold out. Or just hold out. That's the only leverage he has. Now, a story kind of percolated about 10 days ago from an unnamed NBA front office source that Durant was considering retiring if he doesn't get his way. And it was like, well, that's 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 his ultimate trump card. He could go that direction. But Durant, less than 24 hours yeah, later, shot it, shot it right yeah. down. So if he wasn't willing to go that extra mile, he's basically relying on them trying to just do right by me because I'm Kevin Durant and NBA superstars tend to always get their way. And the Nets clearly at some point said, so you know, all, all due respect to Mikel Bridges and Jalen Brown and these guys, the Nets were just like, no. We have Kevin Durant. Yeah, but you're so not going to have unless, him for four more years. I, I, but they, they think they're going to keep him for four more years. They're delusional. But the problem is the fact that they have him for four more years and the tr- and the team that acquired him would also have him for four more years. They know that Durant is a much more valuable, expensive piece. Yeah. So if you're the, listen, it sounds ridiculous because we know that would never happen. And in Boston, they also know it would never happen. But if you're Sean Marks, and I think anybody listening right now, if you were running the Nets, you take a long look in the mirror and you're probably like, yeah, probably right. If you're Sean Marks, you're like, if we're trading you Kevin Durant, Phoenix, you're giving us Devin Booker. Yeah. If we're in Boston, you're giving us you're giving us Jason Tatum. You can't you can't because it's the NBA. There are limitations, and this is where I wonder if the Nets really think they're leveraging teams. Let's just take the Suns as an example. If they're let's say the Suns are saying we'll give you Mikel, we'll give you Cam Johnson, we'll give you four first round picks, and the Nets are like, hey, well now we're all good with KD. So if you want us, you're really going to have to give us more if you want Kevin Durant. The Suns can't give him anything more. You want campaign? They don't have. They don't. I, I put this on Twitter earlier today. They don't have the player capital, with the exception of Devin Booker, which we know is a non-starter. They don't have the player capital to satisfy what the Nets want. Less I would than, argue uh, most teams, almost every team, of course, because it. it's Kevin Durant, and yeah. so the Nets are sitting there saying no. We, that's why initially the reports were like the Nets are looking for two All Stars. Well, you know, what team has two All Stars laying around that you were just going to ship off for a thirty-four-year-old Kevin Durant? I mean, the, so the Nets were listen. Do we either sell Durant on pennies on the dollar uh, just to make him happy, so we don't have a disgruntled KD here in Brooklyn, and we start the rebuild process right away, or do we stay? strong, knowing that Durant has no leverage, 
and we are not going to sell him or trade him for anything but somewhat as crazy as this sounds, close to equal value as possible. And there just wasn't there wasn't a team out there willing to trade. Like for the Suns, we're not going to trade you, Devin Booker. The Celtics, we're not going to trade you, Jason Tatum. So I sure this meeting in in, in L.A. with Joe Sy and his wife and, and all, they were like, "KD, look, we're we're we're, we're not going to do it, it man." So you can either be, you can be you can be disgruntled, or you could retire, or you could play nice in Brooklyn. What are you going to do? And Durant weighed all three options and said, "Okay, I'll play nice for today." And that's the statement we get today. For, for day, if you're Steve Nash, how are you supposed to go out there and coach a guy who? Two weeks ago, told the owner, it's him or me. This is not, Tim, this is not Kevin Durant really didn't want Steve Nash to coach him four years ago, and now this might be awkward. We're talking about two weeks ago. Now, everything you're saying is true. There may be a certain point where they just sat down and said, look, man, for lack of a better term, we're stuck with you and you're stuck with us. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Retire or be happy. What's it going to be, KD? Maybe 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 that's what's fueling this now. Maybe they're not misleading everybody. Maybe they truly feel like, hey, we're back on the same page. But I I will ask you this question. Kevin Durant seems like somebody who kind of isn't happy all the time and tends to look around and say, I'd rather be there. If you're going to tell me that giving him a four-year, $198 million extension couldn't keep him happy for four years, in fact, it didn't even keep him happy till the extension kicked in, you're going to tell me sitting down with him and saying, well, you're kind of stuck with us and we're stuck with you, is going to make him stick around for four years? No. He's getting traded. And it might not be tomorrow, but he's getting traded at some point. And I'm not saying it's to the Suns anymore because it, it, it's it's gotten so weird. But I'm just saying... I said this earlier. I'll take anybody's bet if you're going to tell me Kevin Durant plays the next four years for Brooklyn. There is no way. Here's the problem, though, Luke, with the, with the Suns. I mean, what's Chris Paul's championship window? Well, that's the thing. Now, that's like, the I mean, if question. this didn't happen now or doesn't happen in January, I'm not sure it's, it makes sense it's now. You've given, you given Durant's age and Chris Paul's age. I, without Without Chris Paul being Chris Paul, are the Suns a championship team, even with Durant? Yeah, would you, would you I, I don't down it's everything it's around him and just have Booker and an older Durant? Would you, you, would you tr- mortgage your entire future and everybody around them? I, that's a question for a year from now. Right, I don't would, know that I would. A Booker, an older Durant, and uh, Nothing else. Pres- uh, presumably improving DeAndre Ayton, is that, a, is that good enough? We'd have to see who they'd replace Chris Paul with. But I, I'm Chances are he's not going to be as to good. Get, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> probably true. I'm assuming Aiton would have to be included in any deal at that point, too. So I, I, it's a great point, and I think it leads back to the main thing here if you're a Suns fan. As much as I don't believe everything's fine in Brooklyn, and I don't believe that he's just going to play out now the next two, three, four years, I'm not even sure he's playing out this year. He might not even be them at the start of the season. If you're the Suns, you probably need to move on. Right, and if the Nets come crawling back to you in January, and they're like, you know what, if you can make something happen with eight, and you can get us, you know, so and so, I use Mitchell as an example from Utah, but he might get traded before then. But somebody on that level where we'll give you eight, and you give Brooklyn you this involve guy, a third team, we'll yes, throw, yeah, whatever you got to do. If that comes up in in January or February, you don't close the door on it. But I would say for now, you got to move on. Well, let's just have a good team, and let's keep an eye on the Nets. Like I said, in Wolf and Down, your lunch. I mean, if if Simmons plays and plays well, and Kyrie, you know, doesn't do Kyrie things. And he plays and plays well, and the Nets are, you know, twenty two and ten. Two huge ifs, right? Two, there. Of course, there are, and that's why Durant. Huge that's ifs. why he's wanted out. I mean, I get it, <laughs> but at the same time, there, I mean, there is that there is that chance. There is a chance that those two knuckleheads show up for work and and play and play well. 
So we got to keep an eye on that. Like, if you're still hanging on to the KD to the Suns thread, keep an eye on how Brooklyn plays in November and December. I think if you're Brooklyn and you're trying, you truly are trying to keep him around, it's what you just said. Trade deadline rolls around or whatever. December rolls around, then the trade deadline. Brooklyn's got to be like a top two or three seed in the Eastern Conference. They can't be doing this fringy, like, hey, we're the nine seed. We're going to make it into the play-in. He'll one out. And then you probably got to win the title, honestly, or at least get to the NBA Finals, or he's going to want out next offseason because Kyrie's going to be gone next offseason. So if you're telling me, hey, we talked to KD, and we finished as the five seed, and we gave it a good try in the first round, and we lost in seven games to Philly or whoever, and now Kyrie's leaving, and you think Kevin Durant's staying? You are crazy. Your chance, if you're Brooklyn, is you start strong so there's no second guessing during the season, like you said, and then you at least make it to the NBA Finals. Now, if there was a way for the Suns to get Durant and Kyrie... To replace the aging Chris Paul well, and slide KD in at the three. Nah, now we're talking. As a Suns fan, would you would you even want Kyrie Look, Irving in the baggage I, I, that he has? I was no. one of those. No. I was one I mean, of those be, be a, That should be the poll question, but it's so not possible right now. I don't want to freak people out. But it'd be inter- honestly, that'd, be, that'd be an interesting poll question. Would you want Kyrie Irving on your team ever? I was... In the front of the line with wanting Katie to Phoenix. And after everything that transpired this offseason, yeah. I don't want him I, anywhere near I, Phoenix. I'm with you. Don't even come here. I was in line. Don't even look at Booker. Don't do it. <laughs> don't even mention Phoenix. Maloney was like the front of the line. I was like third in line. Like, I wanted Katie. I'm over it, man. Because because you already have a good team and a likable team. This was almost like a, a lesson for an entire offseason of appreciate what you have. Because the Suns, even though those last nine days of the season were miserable, had a really yeah, fun Yeah, I still contend you have a better chance to win a title if Durant's here than, than if not. But, I mean, and that's, to me, that's ultimately what it's about. And that's, listen, you may, you may be torpedoing yourself four or five years from now if you mortgage a lot of your future for KD. But again, to me, having that, having that the best shot possible at a championship this year and maybe next year, to me, would be worth it to roll the dice I, on that. I just, that's not, that, you listen, people may disagree. That's fine. I'm always going to wonder though. If if Indiana didn't offer sheet DeAndre Ayton, if Kevin Durant would be here, because there was that moment in the last two weeks where he had kind of forced his way out, but the Suns didn't have enough. But the Nets, Sean Marks immediately said, "Why we don't want Durant?" That 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 that, if anything, killed Durant. Not the meeting in L.A. a couple days ago, when Sean Marks said, "We have no interest in DeAndre Ayton," that killed the Durant deal in my eyes. Yeah, the the Nets didn't want Ayton, but Ayton could be moved to a third team. That was what I'm saying. You're not going to convince. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, but But now you don't even have that asset. Oh, but don't you think the Suns tried that? Don't you think they tried to do it? I mean, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they called everybody. We'll get back into this later, but but the whole point was once he had that meeting with Joe Sy, and it was kind of like, you better do something now, the Suns didn't have the asset to trade. That's not their fault. Texas, it's Indiana's fault, actually. Texas, your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back, how is the Cardinals running back room going to play out? James Connors talking today, and you'll hear what he has to say about it next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show. Tim rings in for Wolf on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. We've got Tim Ring in for Wolf. Wolf was here for the first half of the show. Now he's on his way to Tennessee with the team. He'll be doing the show from Tennessee tomorrow. But Tim is here, and uh, Tim, 
I want to get your thoughts on the running back room for the Cardinals because that is one of the more hotly contested position battles. And I also want to hear right now from James Conner, who just spoke at uh, practice today. So let's let's start with just what he sees as the focus of the running back room because all the position battle there is behind James Conner, obviously. Right, you know, competition is there. Um, but the guys are focused, man. They've been focused since, since day one of training camp, you know. And um, as it's coming to an end, you know, it's... Um, they, they shouldn't be focused more or any less. It should be the same focus, you know, just trusting themselves and doing what they do best. They're all here for a reason. They're all talented players. So now, like we said, as they get to end, just sharpening up these small details. So there are, there are positions on this team where the Cardinals, when they make the cuts, they're going to, you know, they're going to trim it down to however many they're keeping. And we're going to look and say, yeah, honestly, you should probably trim it down even a little bit more and go get somebody else. But at the running back position, Tim, whoever they end up letting go out of those top five, I'm going to be unhappy they let them go. It's interesting because usually when you get to August 23rd, you can kind of take your pen out or your Sharpie and you're like, okay, well, this guy's got a spot. This guy's got a spot. And this guy's got a spot. So now you have two or three guys maybe going for that final spot or the final two spots. Luke, if I were to tell you to take out a Sharpie and start writing names, after James Conner, who gets a Sharpie? Okay, I'll give one to Darrell Williams just because of how they've used him in the preseason seems to indicate they view him as the number two guy. One would think. Okay. It was interesting that the way August kind of unfolded, even his name was, was in the crosshairs. Like, does he have a guaranteed roster spot? I would tend to agree with you. It's but also after inter- that, good luck. It's tough. Now, I, I will say, listen, you, you don't make a living in this league cutting good football players. So the Cardinals even if they have to do roster management, will find a way to not do that if they humanly possibly can. Boy, we heard a lot about Eno Benjamin so far in this offseason. A lot from Cliff Kingsbury, from his teammates, about this guy ready to take the next step and be a factor on the field. Maybe that's happening day in and day out in training camp. I think it's fair to say we haven't seen that in the first two preseason games. Doesn't mean that that's not going to happen. I'm just saying we haven't seen it in the two preseason games. What I have seen, especially in that Bengal game, is boy, Keontae Ingram seems to have a whole lot of promise. He just, he looks like, I, I the can't vision, even quantify this, he looks like an NFL running The back. vision, the cutbacks, the burst, I just watch him carry the ball, albeit in a limited sample size. This guy looks like a guy that you're not going to cut, especially you factor in, you 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 drafted them, so you never you never like to release draft picks. You always like to give them as much of an opportunity uh, to make the club, at least in the first year, as humanly possible. And then Jonathan Ward's a good football player too. So this is going to be tough decision time for for the Cardinals now because of their roster spots at wide receiver with DeAndre Hopkins not needing one. Maybe you keep one less receiver than you normally would which would allow you to maybe keep one more running back than you normally would. So that's what I'm saying. Like In an effort to not release good football players, you might have to get creative with your, your roster engineering yeah. and composition, so to speak. Well, because you bring up Eno's numbers in these two preseason games, and, and I think it was pretty clear if Eno went out there and just dominated one of these games, his spot was locked up, and he was going to be the third guy on this team in this position and, and fighting maybe with Daryl Williams for carries as the season went on. He's got nine carries for 26 yards in the preseason. That's nothing amazing. It's also a very small sample size, nine carries over two preseason games with a bunch of second and third teamers around you. It's not like Keontae Ingram has amazing numbers. He's got 11 for 36 and a touchdown, but the thing is, 
Keontae Ingram, like you said, you just drafted him. I know he's a sixth-rounder, but running backs can be sixth-rounders and end up being really good. This is not like taking a quarterback in the sixth round. He looks like a guy that, if you let him go, is going to end up somewhere else as like a second or third stringer and get a chance and, and potentially make you feel really bad you let him go. But Jonathan Ward does a little bit of everything, and I don't think you give up on Eno because he had nine carries for 26 yards in two preseason games, so it's going to be a very tough call. No, and to be fair, maybe Keontae Ingram has looked so so good because he's going against guys that are not going to be in the league uh, come come September. So again, that's why you don't put a whole lot of stock in the preseason games. This has to be what these guys are seeing day in and day out at training camp. By all accounts, Eno looks good in camp. And he's been here, and you under it makes a lot of sense that he would be sort of the replacement, the Chase Edmonds replacement. You know, maybe maybe Darrell Williams is the replacement for Chase Edmonds in the sense that he's your second back, but Eno Benjamin's a lot more like Chase Edmonds. You know, it's interesting, Luke, if if all these guys are considered equal in the mind, who's the cheapest? And who or maybe who's the most expensive? Because maybe that guy should be worried about having a job. Or who could you potentially get a cornerback for in a trade? Right. right? Who could you go to whoever, whatever team needs a running back? There will be plenty that need running backs, and they have a surplus of cornerbacks. Now, that obviously limits the number of teams if you're putting both those filters on it. Here's more from James Conner just talking about where the running game is in the offense for the Cardinals. You know, it needs to be. It needs to be. And it's not that it needs to be, but it's a, it's a balance. That's what it is. You know, the running game helps the passing game, and the passing game helps the run game, you know. So uh, as long as we can just be easy efficient. That's the name of the game, just be efficient in both. Um, you know, the run game will take care of itself and the pass game will take care of itself too. Um, so yeah, as long as we're just efficient whenever we call our plays, you know, that's, that's what, um, it'll work. It'll He's, be good. He sounds a little bit like Larry Fitzgerald, by the way. I just wanted to throw that out He did there. there. I'll give yeah. you that. He did. He's got same, same speech patterns and yeah. voice quality. Kind of like soft-spoken right there. That means absolutely nothing, but I digress. Carry on. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> ultimately, this all, it matters, but it matters a lot less if James Conner goes out there and does, again this year, what he did last year. I mean, your offense, your running game is built around James Conner, not around Keontae Ingram. It is, but James Conner earns his money in the red zone, yeah. inside the 10. And really good in the screen game, too. But between the 20s, as I like to say, maybe not James Conner's forte. You need that number two guy that's going to get out there and maybe get those five, six-yard carries to help, help move the sticks a little bit. I'm not saying Conner can't do that, but again, that's it. James Conner's a big back, powerful back, a guy with a great who brings great energy and strength and power to the position. So you see him inside the five. He's not ripping off a it's lot of 45-yard runs. It's where, he again, he earns his money inside that red zone. Do love him in the screen game, but I do think like Chase Edmonds was the perfect Robin to his Batman last year. Yeah, because yeah, when they a, had them both, they were, right. they were dominant. And nobody's ripping off 45-yard runs in the NFL much these days anymore. It's just not Dalvin like college, Hill. yeah, just right? But, but again, though, the guy that, when the hole's there, can get you, can get you five yards. No, I see what you're saying. Like, James Conner is your guy, and he's your guy in, inside the 20s, and he's also your guy on third and one or second and one, even if you're at the 50. But the Cardinals showed last year they they like to have that other pass-catching, maybe smaller running back out of the backfield that they can deploy. And that's why Eno Benjamin made so much sense. But Darrell Williams, he's kind of the unknown. He really is the great unknown. He went over 1,000 yards last year, all-purpose for the uh, for the Chiefs, being that receiver out of the backfield. Yeah, he was dual threat, catching the ball, running the football. And again, I'd like... boy. I, I, I know it's a small sample size. I, I would like to see Keontae Ingram with 
the Cardinals' first-team offense going up against an opposing team's first-team defense. Will he get that opportunity early on in the season if he is, in fact, on the roster? But watching him so far, he looks like he has a lot of tools. I'd like a lot of tools to help this football team win games. Just see him and Eno basically split the game uh, in Tennessee on Saturday. We come back, NFL teams have to get their rosters down to 80 players by this afternoon. So this might be the time for some big-name players to start popping up on the market that the Cardinals might need. We'll get into that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show. Tim Ringing for Wolf on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, let's start going around the National Football League here. Tim, Tim rings in for Wolf. Tim is here just to sing back up on the NFL Films. We're going to start playing Hard Knocks music soon, too, when we get into in-season stuff. Um, did you know there's like an entire album of Hard Knocks music? Is there? Really? Yeah, it's not just like the one song, and then like you hear it, and there's like another song you kind of recognize. There's like 12 songs for Hard Knocks. This is NFL primetime, right? Yeah. This is Berman and That's Jackson true. from the heyday, right? Yeah. This is whoop, whoop. <laughs> Teach. Um, all right, so let's start with uh, well. Let's start with the simple fact that you're going to have to cut players today. Team's got to get down to eighty roster, eighty players on the roster by this afternoon. Is it? Is it one o'clock? It's one o'clock. It's so it's about thirteen minutes from now. Okay. So we um, the Cardinals released. No, the second Wolf left. Oh, they poke dropped, it. Yeah, poke it. Uh, he's gone. Wolf left, and then they released the fullback. Yeah, that was, and now they're going to have to deal with Wolf face-to-face on that plane because there's no fullbacks left. Uh, so the point, though, is that it's possible... Maybe a team drops a good corner. Not good. I mean, you're not you're not going out and finding a guy that's going to walk up and play number Luke, one corner d- defense. D- they, you're, you are not dumpster diving for a quality NFL cornerback here in late August, you, are you? you Come on hope now. Not, but that, what other? Unless you just you're going to trade it. somebody. <laughs> oh, please cut somebody. That'll make our team better. Yeah, it's not a great. That'll feeling. help us cover Cooper Cup. But that's what they're doing, right? Isn't that what they're doing? Unless I, they make a trade, you got to make a trade. I mean, listen, if that if that's what they're doing, it doesn't bode well. I mean, are there, are there any? Uh, how many veteran cornerbacks are still without a team? There's a few. There's a couple, there's, right? There was actually a few I don't mind, but I'm assuming that teams just don't want them. Are there? I mean, you are, or are you waiting for bargain basement prices on these guys to drop? It, that's such a tough position to do that with because you. This is the day where you can look around and say, "Hey, hopefully a team has a surplus." Of guys in a position we need. Like, the Cardinals have a surplus of running backs. If there's a team that needs a running back, they're going to be able to get one soon. Nobody has a surplus of cornerbacks ever. I know. I just, I, you're right in theory, but there's a lot more NFL running backs on this planet than there are NFL cornerbacks that can go out there and help you win a football you're, you're game on a Sunday. You're better off needing a running back right yes. now than needing a corner. Yeah, those guys are growing on trees. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of guys out there, they can get you 4.6 yards of carry if there's if there's an offensive line doing their job. Uh, here, let's go uh, to Carolina. Baker Mayfield officially named the starter. He had to be, right? They're playing in Cleveland in week one. Obviously, Sam and I knew this day was going to eventually come, um, but we weren't counting down the days. We didn't know when it was going to happen or anything like that. So I just just this morning, I uh, was made aware that I was going to be starting and uh, saw Sam shortly after. And he made it very clear that anything I needed in support or uh, in terms of that aspect, he was going to be there. And that just, <clears throat> that just shows what kind of team guy he is. Um, Honestly, just an unfortunate circumstance that we're both here in the same year fighting for a job, but um, that's the kind of guy he is. He said, whatever you need in support, he's just trying to win games, and that's the mentality we've had the whole time. So I 
truly, truly appreciate that, and he's a, he's a great guy. So I think at this point now, Tim, we can officially take those five quarterbacks that went at the top of the 2018 draft, top being like the first round or so. Okay. And we can safely say Josh Allen's the best, Lamar's the second best. So you get Josh Allen, like, potentially great, great. Lamar, really, really good. Baker, NFL starter. Sam Darnold, NFL backup. Josh Rosen, NFL bust. Yeah. I, there's no other way to say it. Yeah. I, mean, I know he's gotten a raw deal, and he's been kind of shipped around and moved. And maybe that's messed him up. Maybe, or maybe at some point. Listen, if you if you can play, you can play. Yeah, and you're going to prove it at some point. And yeah. at some point, you got to stop blaming others well, that, for your failure to make an impact in the league. Because that chart we just put together there, that spectrum, if Josh Allen had gotten drafted into a bad position and then bounced around to another team, he would have made that team and been the starter. You know what I mean? Like maybe maybe if Rosen got drafted into a better situation, he'd be fourth on that list of five. He'd be where Sam Darnold is as a like maybe a career backup. When, I don't know that Rosen's even going to be a backup. When Josh Rosen got the chance to play here, let's be honest, he wasn't that good. But we all chalked it up to, A, him being a rookie, and with the exception of Larry Fitzgerald, not a whole lot around him. We, 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 really, we really kind of excused the performance. But the reality was, Josh Rosen did, they didn't play all that well. And now, the, now you look back and you're like, maybe that's the real Josh Rosen. Well, it, we saw. A, a it didn't matter thought, to his teammates. A crazy thought is that might have been the peak of his NFL career was that year with the Cardinals, his rookie year, because now he can't seem... I mean, he had that game with Cleveland in, against third stringers the other day with a chance to maybe be a third string on a team that doesn't have a number one for the first 12 weeks or 11 weeks, and, and he was not good in that game either. Josh Rosen can always say, I own Kyle Shanahan. I own the 49ers. And the Packers <laughs> in Lambeau. And the sure. Packers in Lambeau. They can't touch me. <laughs> I, en- I ended Mike McCarthy's Packer career. Uh, I'm sure Dallas thanks him for that. Uh, okay, here's Aaron Rodgers. He had the uh, he had the conversation the other day, kind of coming down hard on the young receivers. You know, maybe that's maybe that's his way of leading. But the obvious pushback was, "Hey, Aaron." You had to get a bunch of rookie receivers because you took all the money that would have gone to established receivers. And then you didn't show up to voluntary OTAs, which is fine. But then no complain that your receivers aren't on the same page with you. He had more to say. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to be real about the expectations with all those guys. At the same time, hold them to a standard of what they're capable of at this time. But based on those expectations that are realistic. So the whole key is the consistency with what's being talked. You know, the consistency with seeing improvement each day. And maybe just a reminder that every single one of those plays we're watching, whether it's ones, twos, or threes, split group, one group. And I just think there's a way of practicing that they just need to understand. Playing the specific drills, having an awareness that we're in a third down period, we're in a red zone period, we're in a two-minute period, we're in a move-the-ball period. Each one of those periods has a different uh, urgency to it and, and different little games within the game. And I just think there needs to be an understanding of that, and that's that's what some of the conversations in the, in the film sessions have been about. But uh, we just want to see improvement from those guys week to week. Can you imagine being a rookie receiver on Aaron Rodgers' team? I remember he used to get frustrated at Devontae Adams for dropping passes. Yeah, like playing with Kobe Bryant. Like, it's it, it hard. Yeah. Like, these guys, don't they don't mess around. The problem with 
Rodgers, he's doing that publicly. Like, all that stuff can be said within the confines of the locker room or the practice field. You have to embarrass your young guys in front of the entire country. And I mean it, the country. Look, we're, we're in Phoenix, and we're, we're, we're talking about it yeah. and playing that clip. So that's, that's what he did. I, I talked to a guy who played for the Packers at wide receiver for a while. I was just saying that, like, you know, when it comes to Rodgers, the, t- the talent obviously dwarfs everything else. You know when you've got Rodgers on your team, you have a chance to win a Super Bowl. But Rodgers pointing fingers day in and out wears on his teammates. He doesn't take a lot of blame himself. Everything is always somebody else's fault. And, boy, i got to tell you, I, I don't know if that has affected the Packers in the postseason since they won the Super Bowl, but, boy, have they underachieved. Boy, have they underachieved, and they have lost home playoff games at Lambeau Field that they probably had no business losing. And you just wonder if the way Rodgers alienates his teammates, you know, do you want to go to do you want to go to battle and war for that guy when the chips are down in January and the playoffs? I'm, I don't know. Help. I'm just I'm just kind of throwing it out there. No, I, I think there's something to that because I, for the longest time, thought Aaron Rodgers was actually one of the more underrated quarterbacks, and I thought it was ridiculous he only had one Super Bowl because just pure talent-wise, he might be the best quarterback I've ever really watched the prime of their career. But over the last, I mean, whatever it is, let's say three years, he kind of has become somebody that would be really tough to play alongside, I would think. I mean, those guys, they, they've got some... Christian Watson is a rookie. Romeo Dobbs is a rookie. Amari Rodgers is a second-year player that didn't really play last year. And then their vets are Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, and Randall Cobb. They don't have a ton of receiving talent. And yet, it's Aaron Rodgers. You know Lazard's going to have like 1,000 yards, and Watkins is going to have a career oh, revival. they're going to win the division yeah. again, and they'll probably go to the playoffs, and they'll probably lose again. Yeah. Uh, there you go. All right. that's Yeah, that's probably <laughs> about where they lose San Francisco like they always do. All right, we come back. We'll get back into the basketball stuff. Gambo, all over this story, he's going to join Join us next. Apparently, everything's fine with Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. So what now for the Phoenix Suns, if you actually believe that? It's the Wolf and Luke Show. Tim Ring in for Wolf on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.